Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's good to be inside where there's some shade. Yeah. It's a scorcher today. It is today, and yet the last couple of weeks it's been unseasonably wonderful. Yeah. It's been nice and cool. Like it's Unseasonably been like, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. What did I say? No, that's what you said. Oh, okay. I just wanted to repeat it because I liked it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, you know, it's August, and yet uh, it's been like in the low and mid eighties in the valley, no less, which where it's always like ten degrees warmer than anywhere else. Uh-huh. So it's really been great. And then today, I'm like, I thought like, oh, geez, it's really, it's really hot. Oh, right, it's August. This is what it's supposed to be. Yeah. So, but it was uh, rough. It was rough. You came in. You were sweating. Yeah. Uh, I didn't care for it. I had it. A shitty cheeseburger today too. Yeah, you kept keep talking about this burger because there's this place by my house. It's called Top Burger. Top Burger. And usually I go there, and it's you know obviously a little superlative to call it the Top Burger. Right, right. But it's usually uh, it's it's usually in the top half burger wise. Right. Uh, that's why I go there. <laughs> And today it was just a shitty burger. Why isn't there a place called Burger Wise? I feel like that's, <laughs> I feel like that I'd go to that place, but it was bad. It was, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, but you know what? I, I have a little theory. This place always has good burgers, never has good fries. Today the fries were great. They were crispy and hot and perfectly seasoned. All right. I think it, it, they can only get one thing right at a time. <laughs> well, you know, at least at least you got the fries that you could fall back on. Yeah, those were and good the, fries. And, and the nice apple pie that uh, that you that you just ate, oh man! Yeah, I was served uh, some uh, homemade apple pie here. At, uh, well, somebody <laughs> must have made it at a home of some sort. Um, uh, no, it wasn't made at anyone's home. I don't no, that's think. true. It was probably made in a by a robot in a <laughs> yeah. factory, uh, the Trader Joe's factory. Um, so. Uh, so real quick before we get because as uh, as listeners, well, I'm not going to be able to stop thinking about that all day now. What? Who makes prepackaged pies? I don't know. Oh, great. <laughs> um. So, all right, but so listeners know I've never a, thought about that before. Oh, jeez. <laughs> like frozen dinners. Like. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, that's insane. I assume there's like a factory and people put stuff in there. But someone has to. Someone had to like make the Salisbury steak. Yeah. Or, or it's or it's yeah, like you said, uh mechanized. Yeah. Oh. I believe I said a robot did it, David. <laughs> yeah. Well that's I'm never gonna be able to stop thinking about that. Glad I could help. All right. So I'm gonna start talking about the show now. Okay. Uh, I'm not ready to think about it yet. <laughs> All right. Well I'll talk for a minute. Um so listeners, <laughs> it's what I'm what I'm picturing right now is an assembly line, but it's tended by like fifty-ish uh, women in like checkered dresses and aprons. Oh yeah, <laughs> with hairnets. Yeah, with hairnets. Yeah, with horn rim glasses. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Oh my. Yeah, I don't think that's the case. So okay, the show. Man, I'm sleepy, David. All right. Uh. So listeners know from last week that uh, we actually we stopped we stopped the episode before David could even bring up a whole aspect of last week's topic, and we said that we would continue it today. Uh, last week we talked about class and the movies. This week we're talking about class in the movies. Um, but before we get to that, I do want to address that uh, we've gotten a lot of emails and and a lot of people have commented on it. Uh, in the forum uh, about uh, there being some problems with downloading some of our episodes. Uh, basically, what happened is we changed uh, hosts. Right, David? That's that's the term, host? Yes. Okay. We changed hosts uh, a while ago. Our, our old one was giving us some trouble, so we changed to a much better one that we like. Uh, and as such, we had to re-upload all of our uh, available episodes. As we mentioned before, episodes 1 through 40 are no longer available mostly as except a for the guest episodes except right? for the guest episodes yeah uh mostly as a function you know we've been going this is episode 127 we can't have everything up you know we, we're not made of money yeah so maybe we'll have another donation drive although i mean now with the new host we actually with the new host it. we might be able to do it but, we'll, but if nah, we do it, that we'll, uh, i don't want to do it oh okay <laughs> why is that david we'll talk about it off the air okay fair enough um and so 
so yeah, so that's the that's the deal. Uh, so I have actually it has taken us a while, but uh, we were we've been able to upload all the episodes over again, starting with uh, forty one on, and then of course a few episodes before that that are guest episodes. Um, so they're all available now for download. With one exception, which is episode 50, which we'll, we're working on that as well. Sorry. Um, yeah, it should be up this uh, yeah, this week. Yeah. And so... Um, that's going to be tough. So, yeah. That's going to so be a tough th- promise to keep, I'm realizing. I, yeah, well, that's all right. In the next few weeks. Week. Um, so that's the deal. Uh, again, I apologize to everybody that, uh, that wanted to listen to some of the older episodes and were not able to. Uh, you are now, and so... Uh, you can probably stop emailing us about it. Uh, you know what? That's that's not your fault. I, I make it sound like like people were being jerks about it. They were just curious. You know, we get yeah. new listeners all the time, David. They want to go back and hear what we had to say about uh, movie stars and stuff. Yeah, we get new listeners a lot. I, I, we, I also uh, I, I get new Twitter followers a lot, but not enough. David, okay. Twitter.com slash the pretension. At the pretension. Follow me. I'm awesome. If you look at... You've only been doing Twitter for a few months now, uh-huh. and it, if you were to look at the, the like a chart, a graph, it's always going up, David. It's never plateaued. It's always going up, all right? You'll get there. It's fine. I want to get there soon. <laughs> I know. Where is there again? All I want is 500. You want 500. Where are you at now? I, uh, a little over 300. A little over 300, all right? 315, I believe, is where you're at, okay. roughly. And that's I'd say that's well into the 300s, all right? <laughs> so we need 185 more for David to stop complaining about it. Yeah, and the thing is, I know that way more than 500 people are listening to every episode. Yeah, but not that many people are gonna are on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter, David. I know that you are. We had are. this argument last week. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But, uh, all right, so... If, if 50% of the podcast is on Twitter, 50% of the audience should be on Twitter, which would be <laughs> well over 500, but I'd be happy with 500. Fair enough. Um, and then also a couple quick announcements uh, for those that uh, didn't know all, already. Um, I mentioned, I say, so Colin Marshall, uh, a champion of our show, mm-hmm. um, has uh, he He's has a another champion p- show listener. He sure is from uh, from a while back, a long time ago. Good t- good stuff. I doubt any of your other show. I I, I I I challenge, in fact, any of your other show listeners to to stack your show listening up against. Uh, Colin Marshall's championship level show listening. And that does not count Garen or Ian Brill. <laughs> so uh, so anyway, uh, so he has a, a couple other podcasts. One of them is called Barely Literate, uh, which I was on like several months ago, but the episode just became available last week. So you can go and hear me on Barely Literate. And then I was also on a podcast called uh, The Devil's Advocate Podcast, or The New Devil's Advocate Podcast. I don't know why. I don't know Didn't the Didn't we difference. talk about this last week too? Oh, that one we might have. Okay, sorry. But you can hear me on that one as well. Okay. So, okay. David. Oh, yeah. Well, we didn't, we didn't talk about the last week. We didn't talk about the sort of overlap between, between race and class and how that affects the movies. Right. Um, which wasn't a huge topic that I wanted to get into. It's actually sort of just a – you just see sort of another example of it being uh, – of what we already talked about. Which right. is that uh, – Studios tend to pander to what they think the lower class is, and it sort of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. The lower class wants the movies that they were told they wanted. Yeah. Or whatever, you know. And um, they uh, still, you know, they, uh, try to do the same thing race-wise. They, they they try to make... I mean, clearly there was the, the like, black exploitation, you know, uh, right. genre. Uh, and that sort of thing still exists. They're still sort of make, making movies that are for... Well, you know, this is for the black audience, and, it, and right. it tends to, it tends to be almost a little more insidious in that case because it's so specific. the The stereotypes tend to be heightened. Hmm. You Can know? you think of an example? Um, I don't know. Oh, what's the? I can't think of the movie now. Oh, what? what which one is? And, it? I don't know. And something with Morris Chestnut and Vivica <laughs> A. Fox, probably. Two can play <laughs> that game. Yes, I think that's actually the one I was talking about. Okay, then. But now I can't, it's just like, just the idea that, you know, um, uh, in that movie particularly, you know, a black man is supposed to be this and a black woman is supposed to be this, you know, and mm. it's sort of, it just, uh, it, it's the same thing that they're doing uh, with the, in general with lower, by marketing the lower class, but in in a more, 
pinpointed uh, way. You know, mm-hmm. they're saying these specific people, you know, this yeah. is what you will want, you know, and we're going to give you. But it's really uh, at, the, at the end of the day, the person signing the checks is is probably white. Yeah. And it, it's it, it seems weird that they're sort of making these decisions of this is what the black audience will want, you know? Well, and and it might be just a, a certain degree of, they might be, in a cynical way, they might be correct because this is what the black audience will watch because it's the only thing available to them. Yeah. You know, we, we, don't, we don't think of them very often, so when we do, that's what they've got. Yeah. And uh, that's, you know, kind of a cynical way to look at it, but I think it's probably correct, frankly. And I'm not just saying that because I, I'm the one that just said it. So. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's that, which brings us to to Tyler Perry. Yeah. Uh, who's, um, I mean, uh, Tyler Perry is uh, ridiculously rich. Yes. But he, uh, he didn't come from money. Right. Uh, he, he sort of, uh, he he's sort of the exception to the rule. He's the guy from the lower class making or the. And, and not, now he's not, but he right. was from the lower class, uh, in this case, the black lower class, making movies for, uh, well, I'd argue he's making movies for the black middle class more, but okay. this is America. Everyone wants to be at least one class above where they are. Yeah. I'm totally guilty of that, too. Yeah. St- I still support the uh, estate tax, though, just so you know. Well, are we going to talk about the estate tax? I, I have a problem with it now, actually. Yeah. Problem with the estate tax? Yeah. Why? Because that amount of money was already taxed. Okay, but this is America, and we don't have uh, we don't have we don't have royalty. We don't have the the noble classes who can just pass it on from generation to generation. That's not that's not our society. That's not what we're, what we're about. Well, right. This is somebody worked for money. Not necessarily, when, but okay. Okay, let's say theoretically somebody worked for money. Uh-huh. They got the money. They paid taxes on the money. And now they die, uh-huh. and it moves on to me. But it's not necessarily income in the sense that I like, you know, worked for it or like an income tax. I'm fine with, but like in this case, that amount it's already been taxed. The government already got what they want. So now it's like, oh, we can tax it twice, maybe even a third time, depending on how many people die. And uh, that that bothers me. I, I I don't consider myself remarkably conservative anymore. But in that instance, uh, I find my even though again. But what yes, what, do you, what is that? What does the guy whose money it is care? He's dead. He doesn't. Yeah. It's it's me talking about st- st- uh, principle, basically. Like, but it, princi- I know that what it is the principle in, here? The guy's dead. I know, but the but the objectively, it's this amount of money which has already been already been okay. taxed. And that amount of money, the government has already taken. It, it, I don't even mean in, in an insidious way. It's already been taxed as it should have been, and so that's. But it's done. another like moving it to the progeny or whatever is another transaction. Progeny, <laughs> nice. I mean, my you know, uh, the the money that I have in my bank account has probably been taxed uh, <laughs> multiple times as it's moved through the system. I don't. It's true. <laughs> that's true that's true it's not like money it's not like they just like as it's coming out of fort knox they just like you know <laughs> three for you one for me like, that's right. not the way they do it yeah uh okay fair enough uh i now i don't want to get too. i don't want to get on this too much because i don't want this to turn into comedy and everything else but <laughs> uh you know uh yeah that's i remember you and i had had uh had this discussion a while back and i was like you know i'm not sure if i'm on board and one could make the argument that uh, some of the things that I'm going to say today kind of relate to uh, this, you know, uh-huh. uh, because one of the reasons that I think a lot of people are okay with the estate tax is because it concerns rich people. And, well, they already have a lot of money, so certain things, certain, like, I don't have any money, you know, uh-huh. I'm not rich, and I and if I were to ever to get quote-unquote rich it probably won't be rich enough for the estate tax to have much to do with me or my children yeah you'd have to be pretty rich i'd have to be pretty rich and so um so that's the thing is it doesn't apply to me but the principle uh i i don't like the idea of of demonizing the rich and they're just like well screw them they got plenty of money well it's still but that's not what i'm doing i know that's not what you're doing but it's i think it's my instinct 
I mean, I, I, don't, I don't understand why they need faster private jets. <laughs> or bigger boats. <laughs> yeah. Or, uh, that's, a, that's a West Wing reference. Yeah. And it's one of my favorite moments in the West Wing. Yeah. Um, where, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's just my instinct to be like, like, yeah, they have money. That doesn't mean they cheated to get it or anything like that. And it doesn't mean that they should be penalized for having it. I understand they should pay higher, pay higher taxes. I'm okay with that idea. Yeah. Um, but it's just, just the general screw you attitude. Like I mentioned, I think last week about Bill Gates, you know, and Michael Moore put an image of him and everybody booed. It's like, what? You know, potentially unethical practices early on. Fair enough. <laughs> but, uh, but that's not what they're booing. Unethical practices and then the person fails. No one cares. <laughs> you know, unethical practices and then he succeeds beyond anybody's wildest dreams. That's when people have a problem with it is the success aspect. And, uh, and I don't care for just the, the demonizing of, of the wealthy simply because they are wealthy. And that's something that I'll be bringing up actually quite a bit in today's episode. Okay, good. I'm glad because I don't have that at all okay. in here. Um, I have some sympathies with the wealthy in here okay. on my list. But um, anyway, I just wanted to, to talk about that briefly. Um, yeah. And uh, I guess let's get into it, uh, shall we? We can, we can sort of move um, directly into our, our topic, which is actual movies about class. Right. As opposed to the more, you know, the class and the movies that we did yeah. last week. Um, and, and in keeping with the sort of race thing, uh, my eyes are drawn to on my list here. I have a rabbit proof fence, which I never saw. Oh, okay. Well, um, that's, uh, you know, very much, uh, about the, you know, the, the, the white people who run Australia mm. and the natives. Right. Uh, so that's just an example <laughs> of that. <laughs> um, but I mean. Well, I've as I was making my list, I found myself coming up with a lot of like, like subgenres of movies about class. You know, there's movies about somebody rising below uh, above their class, uh-huh. and then somebody is, uh, choosing to go below their class, and so yeah, and then like you know, to to like Titanic or or Pride and Prejudice, or really a lot of or Pretty in Pink. Where people from two different classes, you know, like yeah. are are romantically linked, mm-hmm. and uh, and people on both sides, you know, rich and poor, are saying, nah, they're not like us." You know, they're kind of they're always being somebody's always whispering in their ear, saying, "No, you can't do this. This this isn't how it works." And uh, and so it was really as I was going through, I was really, I was really, I, I became interested in just how many how many movies were like that, um, just that. <laughs> just how many deal with class either directly or indirectly i mean one of the movies that that i that i will uh mention is land of the dead and we're back <laughs> uh so that was going to be a seamless edit uh <laughs> but david decided not uh not to go with that i was uh, there was something that was distracting me and i had to go and uh, take care of that but uh uh so as i was saying was uh, i was talking about land of the dead which it's a George Romero film and it's it's the fourth in his of the dead films mm-hmm. and and it's you know it's a zombie movie and as we've said before <laughs> a zombie his zombie movies they're just about uh seemingly about these things walking around and eating people's flesh and mm-hmm. occasionally <laughs> turning people into other zombies um but in this case it's such a it's such a brilliant movie in general i i i'm bummed out that i don't own it cuz i feel the need to watch it frequently um, because at this point, zombies are just a fact of life. And, you know, uh, there's a place I believe called Fiddler's Green uh-huh. in which there's just this, even in, even in the, even in the days of basically the apocalypse class still exists. There's, uh-huh. this, there's basically a city that has been walled off. You don't have to worry about zombies. And then there's a big, a tall tower called Fiddler's Green and uh, that's where the rich live and people and everyone else. Oh, they wish they could live there. Oh, that would be wonderful. And and so even and the the film is about class, but it's also about, in my view, uh, the way the U.S. deals with uh, uh, other countries and mm-hmm. such. Um, but it just, you know, it's a nice visual that that there is one basically one skyscraper and only the powerful the rich and powerful live there and they're just looking down on everybody else who mm-hmm. you know if the zombies were to break through well the people in the tower are much safer 
And so mm-hmm. uh, they don't really have to worry about that. And it's just, and so I feel like even having, like, even if that was as deep as they went into an exploration of class, it's deep enough to imply that the idea of class will always be around. It will never, it, it was, it's been there in the past. And even, even after the world is basically over, uh-huh. it will still be there. Uh, in there will always be somebody who feel who the, people who feel themselves as better than someone else because they simply have more. Um, and so, Land of the Dead is incredibly entertaining, but it's it's also very thoughtful. I think it might actually be the most thought provoking of the four. Hmm. For me. Um. Yeah, and uh, it's 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 interesting that um how the uh how George, George Romero's uh of the dead series mm-hmm. has always each one has something to say but it's not it's not a consistent theme it changes right. from movie to movie because uh one of the strangest things to me about Land of the Dead or one of the funniest things is that you can sympathize with the zombies oh yeah i mean the the there's like a a guy who's like the leader of the zombies yeah um and he's almost like a hero yeah uh, and and that's that's fascinating to me, but it also says a lot about what we talked last week a little bit about sort of the politics of Hollywood mm-hmm. and how it tends to be left leaning, you know. Right. And so there's going to be a lot of uh, sympathy with or or movies about people who are fighting for the lower right. class, you know. Um, and this goes beyond, you know, before Hollywood to the Adventures of Robin Hood is one of the greatest right. ones, but uh, of course there's the 1939. Uh, Adventures of Robin Hood, which is a great movie, so I thought I should bring it up. Yeah, I, I wrote down uh, the the animated Robin Hood simply <laughs> because I wanted to write down a kids' film. <laughs> but um, there's also like uh, uh, Spartacus is another one I have hmm. down here that's uh, very much a, a, a lefty movie. Yeah, you know, and um, and then Aaron Brockovich, which is not a film that I that I love. Yeah, um, I would venture to say I don't even really like it that much. I. I don't really find anything in the movie to really object to. Mm-hmm. I just, it, it just seems, it's sort of like, well, it's very similar in story. And I know, this, I know you like a civil action a lot. Yeah. But it's a, I feel the same way about both those movies, not just because they're a similar story, but because they don't, uh, they're, they're, they're perfectly competent, but there's nothing, uh, I, I don't, I can't get into them in any way. Mm. They, they, they seem like very workmanlike, like, I'd say, yeah, I'd say that's that's about right. Which, and that's the thing about Aaron Brockovich. You never, ex- I would never expect a workmanlike mentality from Steven Soderbergh. Yeah, you know, uh, but uh, like I can do anything. Yeah, even be adequate. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and as far as as far as you said, you know, kind of left leaning, and as I made reference to, uh, kind of demonizing is is too too harsh of a word i think but just the sympathy is clearly with those who have less and 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 those that have more just if if you're going to make a movie about class then chances are the upper class is viewed as bad and the lower class is viewed as good and and honestly <laughs> i saw um i saw he's just not that into you mm-hmm. and it takes place in in baltimore which when I think of Baltimore, I think of The Wire because I've never been <laughs> to Baltimore and you spend five seasons of The Wire getting to know working class, if not lower class, Baltimore. And uh, But everybody in He's Just Not That Into You has a bunch of money. Everybody's really, really rich. <laughs> uh, you know, to the point that like one character, I think Ben Affleck's character has a boat. Like he literally has a boat, like a really nice sailboat. It's like, oh no, my my girlfriend kicked me out of the apartment. I guess I'm going to stay on my boat. And yeah. I remember just instinctively, like, and that's the thing. I'm somebody, as as I mentioned, I'm somebody who, who I wouldn't go so far as to say I champion the rich the way Colin Marshall has championed our show. Sorry, if I was going <laughs> to use that word, I wanted to make reference to it, how I use it again. But, um... So I'm somebody who who I, I I have a certain degree of sympathy for the rich, or rather, I, I don't like how they're portrayed. But even then, in watching this film about these guys, the, these people who have problems, part of me is just like, 
oh wow rich people with relational problems i don't care yeah, you know just uh, as strange as that sounds that's how i felt about that that uh that hbo show tell me you love me which is a show about people who have they have so much money that the only thing left for them to have a problem about is fucking because you can't <laughs> solve that with money <laughs> well i mean it depends on what the problem is specifically right. if you're not having it enough money can solve that that's that's true you know that is true but uh i know from experience he does know from experience i used to live with him <laughs> um <laughs> but uh and so I wanted to. I wanted to. But kind but, of, but I, okay, no, I want I want to still talk about that. Okay, go ahead. Because uh, and I, I don't want to get into an argument with you necessarily. But oh, how no. how could you possibly make? You couldn't do it the other way around, right? You couldn't make. Yeah, there's you no make poor Goli- people the demon. Yeah, there's no <laughs> there's no David and Goliath story where you're just like get him, Goliath. You just want that little twerp's ass. Um, yeah, no, I understand. Um, and I think, which is what, you know, we're going to bring it up eventually, so I'll just bring it up now, Gosford Park. Um, yeah. One of the reasons that I like Gosford Park is that it, you know, because you see the servants and the, you know, the upper class. And rather than simply say all the servants are good and they're, mm-hmm. they're just good salt-of-the-earth people and all the wealthy people are idiots or helpless or assholes mm-hmm. you know rather than do that excuse me it approaches them all as people and some of the some of the upper class people even they'll have scenes where they're kind of jerks or kind of still kind of snooty but they do but they're positive characters you you're okay with them and then there are some some people you know downstairs who are kind of jerks and just unpleasant characters to mm-hmm. to be around and i like that approach where it doesn't say that you know it, it it approaches the idea that each class comes with its own set of problems i mean if you're for example gosford park or rules of the game or any of these you know like jane austen films i mean <clears throat> there is such a set of rules that you have to live i mean rules of the game that you have to live by i mean whether it be the right kind of fork. I'll make reference to ridicule as well. Uh-huh. Um, you have to say the right thing. You have to dress the right way. You can't laugh with your mouth open because that seems too rustic. You've <laughs> got to always, you know, you you need to always use the right fork. You have to stand on ceremony. And I mean, just it's it's an absolutely in the case in the case of this particular kind of uh, film, being wealthy is so rigid. That you can't, sh- you couldn't show any emotion. You could uh, just, it, it could be absolutely emotionally stifling. Mm-hmm. Now, some people would look at that and say, like, yeah, but they got a lot of money. It's like, yeah, but they can't. So many of them are in miserable marriages, and mi- and just miserable lives because yeah. they have to marry this person. That's how it is when you're this, you know. And there is a yeah. certain degree. That's why it's best to come from not having money and then have money. I would, I would say, it's so. sort of like like that old sort of. Uh, trope about how if a person grows up not being very attractive mm-hmm. and then grows into attractiveness yeah. they'll maintain a great personality yeah i think that probably i think i think if someone grew up poor and then made money they'd know what to do with it yeah and i mean they'd actually w- know how to make it make them happy one of my favorite scenes in the aviator is um it's my favorite scene too yeah is when he's talking to the hepburn clan uh-huh. and they they make a and he, I, I think he comes from money as well, but I think his parents actually like worked for it, yeah. Um, and yeah. so he actually saw, you know, the sweat of somebody's brow, and um, and so they, you know, they keep everyone's very snooty and very snobbish and all that, and and uh, someone says, oh, we don't, you know, we don't think about, we try not to think about money, we try not to talk about money, and then he very bluntly, in one of the better moments in I in DiCaprio's career, I would say as an actor, he just says it. In just the right tone, he says, "Well, that's because you have it," uh-huh. and he says it with just the right amount of kind of contempt. Yeah. Um, and just and that's the thing is because he has seen what life is like when you don't have it, and then he and now he has it, and it's like, oh well, geez, this is, you know, this is a big concern. Now I've got all this money. What do I do with it? And so money is something he thinks about a lot. And then, but then you run across these people who've always had so much money that it's not a concern at all. Yeah. And they actually look down on the discussion of it. Uh, and one, I would recommend to anybody one of the most fascinating 
movie commentaries I've ever listened to is Julian Fellows, the writer of Gosford Park. Yeah. And he made a joke on there, although it sounded like a joke to me. I don't think it actually was. I think he was just saying how things are because he grew up in a Gosford Park type family. Um, and he's like, he goes, of course, he's like, of course, it's all very bad manners to talk about money. But of course, these people were thinking of nothing else. <laughs> and, uh, and so so I feel like I feel like, a, yeah, you, you can't make a you can't make a film that that demonizes the poor because <laughs> that's a good way to never make any money and probably never work again. Um, but I would say you you don't have to demonize one to make the other look good you can just have it be have a film be about people as gosford park is what do you think about uh rules of the game is that um uh, that's a little less um egalitarian it, rules of the game seems to exist more to to poke fun at the rich a little bit yeah does it sh- does it does it show as much of the poor or is it mostly about the rich i think it it's mostly, mostly about the rich. it should show like the the guy who's the uh what do you call him? Who like the game tender or whatever? Right, right. I'm that's sure right. the caretaker. So there's a name. That's right. Um, yeah, that one I'm okay with because it doesn't poke fun at all the rich. There are some characters again. There are some uh-huh. that are positive. There are some that are negative. As opposed to discreet charm of the bourgeoisie, uh-huh. which uh, you know what? That's the thing. It's been a long time since I've seen that. It's been a long time since I've seen Rules of the Game, and those are two of the biggest movies about class I can think of. Uh-huh. So I'll throw it to you. Because <laughs> uh, it's been a while since we talked about either of those films, so I'll let you talk about uh, Discreet Charm. Um, well, that uh, that's this is tough. This is tough being put on the spot too. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, but <clears throat> that movie's not necessarily about the same the same thing. It's mm-hmm. it, it's it's not about how rich people uh, regard themselves, like as opposed to the way poor people do or carry themselves really um it's it's a it's about how they don't even know Mm -hmm. that they're so closed off yeah like that they wouldn't even it's sort of a let them eat cake type of film right you know uh or or at least about those type of people uh and that that almost is a movie where where the poor people are are the villains (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) or like um it reminds me also of uh what the fuck What's the other Boonwell film that I'm trying to think of? I mean, I know there's a million of them, but the the last one. Never mind. Uh, the, but there's a the, there's and there's this indiscreet charm too. But there's a lot of uh, explosions, terrorists, bombings. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And so it literally becomes that the essentially the the poor people or the lower class yeah. are the enemy. But the, but it's not played for drama. I mean, it's played mostly for comedy, yeah. and 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 it's not a film about. That obscure object of desire. Okay, thank you. Well done. Um, it's it's not a film about the difference between classes. It's only about you know about this upper class and yeah. just how all the characters are ridiculous. There are no positive characters in this. Uh, I wouldn't say they're completely negative, but they're just absurd. They just they have they have ridiculous uh, thought processes, and they just seem completely out of touch with life. And reality, yeah. And so I feel like that's one that really, in a very entertaining way, incidentally, uh, is very condemning of of what can happen to somebody when they become rich or just when they are rich. Yeah, and that's something that Boonwell did is make fun of the rich a lot. Yeah, uh, I would. If you haven't, I'd go see. Um, uh, I'd rent the uh, the exterminating exterminating angel, which yeah. is probably pretty high on my favorite films of all time mm-hmm. list. Um, <clears throat> but anyway. I'm just, my allergies are terrible today. Sorry, everybody. Um, I had something on the tip of my tongue too. I don't know. Okay, well, I'll just oh, I remember what I was going to say. There we go. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, yeah. Um, Boonwell's films are just about the rich, pretty much. You don't see a lot of, or, or not all of his films, but these ones we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't see the other side, uh, and he uses that for satire. But sometimes that's the only way that you can can um, sympathize with the rich is if you don't see the poor people yeah yeah you know i mean that's uh, like he's just not that into you or, or whatever you know it'd be a <laughs> yeah. lot harder to feel i mean if that were a good movie it would be harder to feel yeah. sorry for the characters if you were put face to face with homelessness or something you know right, it's sort of like right. how last week i mentioned cinderella man and how it's easier for being poor to be normal yeah if you don't have to see the rich people <laughs> yeah. you know yeah <clears throat> So that, yeah, that, 
sorry. <clears throat> Allergies. Um, now there are, are. Can you think of any uh, positive depictions of of the rich? I mean, movies about. I mean, there are plenty of movies where, you know, it just it happens to take place amongst this class, but it's not about that. And you'll see positive representations there. But movies specifically about class in which the rich look okay. That's that's tough. I mean. I've got a couple, but not very many. What do you What do you have? Well, I've got. I just saw. I was. I just saw Grand Illusion for the first time uh, a couple weeks ago, and that one. What I like about it, it's that's Renoir again, uh, and so he, it's it's about class and war specifically, but uh, but the class remains there, and it's about these French soldiers in a in a German prison camp. And the the commander of the of the camp played by played wonderfully one of the best characters I've ever seen uh, played by Eric von Stroheim. Mm. Um, he he's very nice. He's very he's he doesn't li- he doesn't want to. He believes in like honor and and that sort of thing, uh, and so he doesn't mistreat his prisoners or anything like that. Uh, but there's one prisoner specifically that he seems to favor, and. You come to find out the reason why he favors him. He doesn't. He doesn't treat the other ones crappy in this one. Well, he just seems to be able to confide. He confides more in this one, and it's because he knows that this guy, while while he's French, he's still from a good family, a proper family, and and Eric von Stroheim is also from a proper family, and it's like, it's almost as if, yeah, we may be from two different countries on opposite sides of a war. But we still have more. In, I still have more in common with you than I do, you know, the lower class soldiers on my own side. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and that. So that's the thing. That sounds very negative, but the absolute humanity and genuine feeling that he has for for his fellow man, for this for this other guy, uh, it's quite touching. Mm-hmm. And it's really. And I think ultimately, you view this this character as a positive character like he can't that's the thing he he's only ever known the upper class and he's only ever known to seek out people of of the same class and so he's not going to be able to step out of that if nothing requires him to and so you just kind of have to accept that that's what he thinks and that's what he's been brought up to think and then move on from there and within that is he a jerk or is he a good person and he's a good person mm-hmm. and i mean there's a uh, i won't give a Spoilers? Can I say spoilers for a film that? that is I think I, I think you should. I mean, okay. We've gotten some uh, okay. complaints about you spoiling things. Spoilers, grand illusion. <laughs> uh, there's a scene where um, where he eventually the the other the other, the French uh, I think he's a captain. Um, he is trying to escape, and Eric von Stroheim shoots him in the stomach. And then he visit, visits him in the uh, infirmary, mm-hmm. and, and the he first, slaps him. No, he says, for, he says, forgive me. Oh. And then the other guy says, I never knew it would hurt this much to get shot in the stomach. And he says, oh, I was aiming for your legs. <laughs> and so it's stuff, you know, it's stuff like that where he, he didn't even want to kill him, even though that's what you're supposed to do with someone uh-huh. who's escaping. And it's really, that to me is probably one of the most positive portrayals I've ever seen uh, of the rich. Uh, or of you know the upper class, the wealthy, um, and that I feel like that's that's one of the things required when looking at those kind of characters is to realize like yeah, they have certain values that I don't agree with, but at right. the same time they were raised in a different time and just in a completely different way than I was, and so you just have to take that as like a com- almost a common denominator or something like that and say all right within that. How do his, you know what do his actions say? And th- in this case, it says that he's actually a pretty good guy. And uh, did you ever see um, Marie Antoinette? Uh, no. Okay. But, but before we move on, okay, uh, I want to keep talking uh, not about Grand Illusion, but you made me re- think talk about war. Made me think of uh, Gone with the Wind. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is an, an, another one that I think does a very good job of it because it, it doesn't lie about the fact that. Th- I mean the the civil war, or I should say, the war between the states. Since we're talking about the South here, right? Yeah, the the war between the states uh, is is affecting them neg- negatively. Even people are losing husbands. You know, yeah. there's uh, all the money's gone or whatever. But 
the, they're still so entrenched in the in the in the class thing that it doesn't it doesn't really matter that all the money's gone. I mean, her problem is that she can't get a new dress. Yeah, you know, I mean, they're still eating and she's still going to balls and she still has a huge house with yeah. curtains that she can make dresses out of. You know, <laughs> but it doesn't make fun of her. It it it's it's honest. Uh, Gone with the Wind is is honest because you see, you know, the burning of Atlanta and you see uh, that one awesome shot outside like the train station was just rows and rows, scores and scores of injured men, mm-hmm. uh, injured and dying and dead men, most of whom probably, you know, were were, were are farm, farm boys or something like that, you right. know. Uh, so it's it's honest, Gone with the Wind is honest about the fact that the, the war between the states is hurting uh, on a on a more physical level, hurting the lower classes more, right? Uh, and still manages to engender sympathy for for Scarlet and and her ilk, yeah. or at least some of them. So uh, yeah, some of them, right? Because I don't think it could ever ever be all of them. You know, it has to no. be one or two people. Yeah, and that's um, but that is something you can do with with poor people is you can make them all good. Yeah, every is, single one. Which is not true. I, I've known a lot of poor people. Yeah, and that's and that's actually I'll, some of I'll bring them up. Suck. <laughs> oh, if only that more money. Um, the uh, and that's I'll bring up. But, some, oh, I was, oh sorry. Ahead. I mean, I know, I know it's your turn now, but I was going to talk about Dickens for a little. bit. Oh, go bit. ahead. Yeah, yeah. that's that's on my list. Go ahead. Because he's a guy who could do the same thing with the poor people. He he could, you know. Uh, obviously, Oliver's Oliver's good. You yeah. know, Artful Dodger somewhere in between. Yeah. Uh, Fagin, bad guy. Right. All poor. Right. All. Uh, sort of victimized by their status, yeah. But some of them react to it in different ways, right? Yeah, <laughs> and it's uh, and shoot, Nicholas Nickleby. I don't remember the name of Jim Broadbent's character, and I know that <laughs> I know that the character existed before Jim Broadbent <laughs> yeah, played him. That's I know that good, everybody. Yeah. All right. But I've only seen that version, and I know that he's played by Jim Broadbent. I don't think that movie gets talked about enough. That was a good movie. It was a really good movie, and as far as like Dickens adaptations, it's really great. Did you see the recent uh, PBS miniseries of L- Little Dorrit? No, I heard it was wonderful. It was really good. Um, but you know, yeah, you're right. It's just there are characters. Now, one could make the argument that in you know in certain uh, uh, talking specifically in this case about Oliver Twist and Nicholas Nickleby that. The lower class characters who are, as you would say, bad, mm-hmm. are the ones who are trying desperately to get to that higher class. Yeah, that's you a good point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, maybe their ambition to not be what they are is, you know, what uh, what makes them bad. You know, oh, you should just be content with this. Because one, cause if you want to try and get out of this, you know, you'll have to do some bad things. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, in Oliver Twist, you know... There are plenty of uh, benevolent, uh, wealthy people as well, um, mm-hmm. a- as with you know Nicholas Nickleby and uh, Great Expectations. Great expectations. Um, yeah, so I, th- I think you'll actually get both in in Dickens, and that's one of the great things about him is that he he really wanted to show poverty, but he understood that yeah, within this you're gonna get some sleazy people. Yeah, um, and that's actually what what I wanted to move on to is are a couple of. Uh, kind of negative depictions of poor people and it should be noted that in in this case uh one could venture to say white trash oh okay um one i think is is mildly overdone but that's just a function of the of the hills have eyes (laughs) yeah that's the one yeah (laughs) no i was going to bring up million dollar baby but the hills have eyes is a it's it's kind of a it's kind of yuppie horror like it's it's what people like me are afraid like I've well, you could also say deliverance, David. Oh, deliverance is yeah. exactly what I'm talking about, uh, and that kind of stuff actually speaks to me more because you hear people like from small towns who are say, like, "Oh, I'd never go to the big city," you know, I'd be afraid. They've to seen get... Judgment Night; they know how it is. Yeah, you're afraid you're going to get mugged or something. Yeah. You know, I have those same fears about small towns. If I'm driving, you know, somewhere across the state and I have to stop for gas, like I get nervous. Hmm because it's not something that I know it's just foreign to me is why you know that's it's the same thing with the small town people in the city it's just it's foreign to me so it's scary well you also have all those liberal bumper stickers on your car (laughs) that uh you know I mean that'll do it right there (laughs) um and so um but no like in million dollar baby um 
Hillary Swank's family. I, I, I missed my chance to make up some funny bumper stickers. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Why didn't I do it? I don't know. I was just laughing and not... Anyway. That's why we have comics on the show sometimes, because they would have thought of something funny to say. Oh, no, there's no question about it. Man, like, what, what... Like, abortions for whales. That would have been a good bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hate Jesus. <laughs> so, uh... Okay, million dollar baby, Hillary Swank's family. Now they are a bit of a car- they are kind of caricatures in some of their actions, like the fact that she's in Los Angeles and they visit the hospital in their Mickey Mouse gear, and it's like, yeah, okay, that's a li- that's that is a little too much. But as far as the way they act and just especially when they when she goes to visit her mom and the way her mom reacts, first off, it's wonderfully played by Margot Martindale, but also it's just like, oh. Yeah, this person is not a good person, and it has nothing to do with how much money they do or don't have. But they just—it's just, it's just a, a bad depiction and a very of somebody who many people would say is trash. I don't like to use that term, but it's—it's it's an easy term to use because people kind of know what you mean when you say it. Right. Um, and I would actually also say um, uh, Amy Ryan in Gone Baby Gone, mm-hmm. where there's no question. I mean, this is. This is a gross, trashy, poor person. This is probably what, like, this is probably what some of the wealthy people in the movies we're talking about would imagine as a poor person. <laughs> oh yes, terrible mother. There's no question about that. Um, yeah, drug, and, drug uh, addicted. Drug addicted. You know. Uh, oh, she doesn't know where her kid went, and she's probably all right with that. Um, oh, all oh, right. Uh, uh, never mind. Um, but uh, but those are really the only two that I can think of. But I will, uh, I will say, I don't want to necessarily transition into. Uh, this is this won't be an entire side to the topic, so I'll just go ahead and say it. Um, one of the one of the brilliant bits of there will be blood to me is that it's a it's you know a rags to riches story. Uh-huh. It's this guy who goes from being you know just a poor prospector to like one of the richest oil men in the country, seemingly, and uh, yeah, but he gets there in the first twenty minutes. Right. Well, no. I mean, by the end, he is. Oh, he's he's. It's like, but yeah, major wealth. You know, like first twenty minutes, he's hit on something big, and he's now got a small company that's making him money. He doesn't really have to worry that much. He still gets his hands dirty, that kind of thing. By the end, he is. Yeah. He you clearly he does not need to leave his house. Um. And what I like about that movie is that it does not say that he is now bad because he has money. He was always bad. He was mm-hmm. always a bad guy. I mean, he says pretty, you know, pretty clearly that he just hates having to deal with people. Mm-hmm. And now the money that he acquires only enables him to live out his bad fantasies of not having to deal with people. Uh-huh. But the money did not cause that in him. It was always there. And so what I, I feel like that's a very, to me, that's a very mature way of looking at it, that in this case, um, the money only enabled him to do what he always wanted to do. It didn't just start when he acquired money. And so, uh, I, I, so I like that in, in a discussion about class that, He's the same no matter what. If 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 Hillary Swank's mom, a million dollar baby, or Amy Ryan in Gone Baby Gone, if they suddenly had a lot of money, they wouldn't become good people. They would just become, if anything, maybe slightly worse people because now they've got the money to be as bad as they want to be. <laughs> so, um, bad as I want to be. Isn't that a, a name of something? I can do bad all by myself. Well, there's that. There's that. <laughs> um, but no, I think it's a comedy album or something. But uh, but anyway, so that's so I wanted to just talk about uh, there will be blood real quick, and we've been going for a little while. What what else do you have? I don't know. I think we can uh, we we can pretty much near the end here. Okay. Well, I got a couple other things to mention. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, there were. I didn't mention. We didn't talk about Titanic because it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just we could just say Titanic. Moving on, right? You say Titanic. You bring up Jimmy Pardo's line, "Round of drinks here, my good man," and then you can move on. <laughs> or the whole um, uh, Picasso, Picasso he'll never, never mind anything. anything. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so what I will bring up is the idea of somebody 
uh, somebody being ashamed of their wealth. Like in a movie, like somebody yeah. just buying into the idea. It's it's often I would say like a young person. I'll talk about Into the Wild is specifically where I'm going with okay, that. Okay, yeah. A young person who his parents I wouldn't say his parents were super rich, but they were well off, upper middle class I'd say. Um and he is rebelling against his parents. He's clearly ashamed of his wealth. He graduates college with a, f- a nice chunk of money that he's that he has saved up and he gives it away and then just goes on the road uh, with really no money to his name, uh, getting odd jobs here and there to pay what few expenses he has. And, and you know, clearly he just, he dis- he's ashamed of his wealth, he, uh, and he just wants to be rid of it. He views it as, as like, a, like a hindrance. And I remember thinking that, like, you could only ever make uh, a movie... Um, going that way, like, much like much like you can't make a movie that demonizes the poor and praises the rich. You can't have you can't have it go the other way. Where in Into the Wild, it's about this guy throwing off the shackles of wealth, right? And it's li- viewed as a, like a freeing kind of thing. Now he may be. Some people have different takes on the character himself. That he's kind of a jerk, kind of condescending to people. And I would say I agree with that. Um, but him throwing this off is viewed as like, oh man, this guy gets it, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, and he chooses to become poor because man, there's nothing more noble than that. Um, but if you had a rich person, I'm sorry, uh, uh, like a poor character who becomes rich and then has nothing but disdain for the poor way of life, that person will be viewed as a sellout of some kind. Yeah. Who has no respect? No, he who doesn't remember his roots. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's why Jin had to go back and apologize to his father on Lost. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but uh, well, I'm glad you brought up TV because uh, one of the most heartbreaking scenes that I've ever seen uh, in fil- on film or in television is uh, from The Wire when a bunch of uh, young kids. Um, who are, they're very confident, confident, they're very kind of cocky and just, you know, it's hard to keep, keep them quiet when they're like in school in a place that they know and they're familiar with, you know, they know how it works. Mm-hmm. So this guy takes them to a nice restaurant as like a reward for, you know, good behavior or whatever it was they were doing. And, um, and it's a, like a real nice swanky restaurant. And they sit there, and they're completely quiet, and they don't know what to do. They just feel completely out of their element. And he realizes that he's just, it's like, oh, this was meant to be a reward. And in fact, it's almost like I'm embarrassing them. I'm humiliating them by showing them what they are, what they might never be or something mm. like that. And, of course, when they leave, uh, they're like, hey, can we go to McDonald's? Because, you know, that, that to them was is gourmet. Uh, and that, and that, I would say, is... is uh, is very that's like i don't know i'm not sure why i felt the need to bring that up but just the idea of because it could go the other way as well you know if you had like a a rich person half and they have to go to mcdonald's they might be like oh geez i don't know and they might feel that they're above it you know yeah Uh, but they would certainly feel out of their element and very confused and i feel like maybe in film that's one of the reasons why and maybe in life, I don't know. That's why these characters are so comfortable in where they are in their own, you know, in their own class, whether it be poor or rich, because yeah. it's what they know. It's e- it's yeah. it's not easy, but it's easier than having to learn something new. So, would you say that the <laughs> what you, you've got a big old <laughs> grin on your face? What are you gonna say? The the mirror, the the cousin film to Into the Wild would be Mel Brooks's Life Stinks. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Okay. Maybe. I I I was going to bring up Ironweed, but his reason for giving up his he's not wealthy, but he certainly isn't homeless. But the reason that he chooses to be homeless has nothing to do with class, it has to do with guilt. Yeah. And he's using it as a way to uh, of punishing himself. But um but yeah, and I feel like I feel like that might be 
all I've got. I know that there's yeah, a no, lot this, more. This is a, this is a good stopping place. Yeah, there's a lot of movies that we could talk about. But oh, I did. You know what? Real quick, because uh, uh, I thought of it kind of kind of last minute is class can be brought up as I mentioned, like in, in horror films, sci-fi films, certainly quite a bit. Um, but you'll actually also find it in superhero films because if you look at Batman and Iron Man, as opposed to Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. You know, like I remember thinking early on, I remember a lot of people like in the early days of, of comics when Spider-Man came onto the scene, a lot of people really liked the creation of Spider-Man because unlike Batman and unlike a lot of other superheroes who had plenty of money uh-huh. and they could just they could do this because they don't really need to go into work or anything yeah. like that. This They had the money to create a Batmobile and build a Batcave and all that sort of thing. Um, Peter Parker... You know, it was like a bigger sacrifice for him because, oh, geez, well, I'm going to go fight crime. But at the same time, I got to go deliver this pizza. Mm-hmm. And uh, what am I? And if I don't deliver that pizza, I get fired and then I have no way to pay. You know, Spider-Man's <laughs> got to eat. And uh, and I, I like that. I feel like showing a super uh, superhero's like actual life. I feel like that might be something that hopefully could be explored uh in you know in more superhero films as they go along um because uh Batman certainly has his problems as does Tony Stark and and all that but at the same time again this is going to make it sound like I'm like I mean, it's like ah, I w- Spider-Man wishes he had their problems well he kind of does you know <laughs> at the very least he wouldn't have to worry about you know like oh well at least I don't have to worry about getting something to eat because my butler will make something for me when I get <laughs> back um but I feel like uh, kind of extreme genres like that, like sci-fi, horror, and superhero, uh, have a lot of. There's a lot of potential there to explore, you know, kind of deeper social issues like class, and uh, and I feel like that's that's looking at the difference between like Iron Man and Spider Man, kind of shows that. And I feel like with Spider Man, they do a pretty good job of showing his poverty. Um, but they don't. Sh- I feel like they don't show it enough. But I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe I'm just asking for them to turn it into a completely different film. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So I just wanted to bring that up real quick. That interesting. That was interesting to me. Well, you so, know what I'd like to bring up. What's that? Is the uh, top 100 movies list? That's right. Yes. That we're working on. It's still ongoing. Yeah. Now listen. We said it before. Please send your top 10 list of the t- 10 movies that you think should be included on the 100 best movies of all time right. list. Please send it to both David at BattleshipRetention.com and Tyler at BattleshipRetention.com. Yes, please do. Uh, if you have already sent it to one, just go ahead and send it to the other. It's going to yeah. help make it's, – it's checks and balances here. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to uh, make the list more accurately re- – as accurately as possible reflect what you guys have chosen. Right. And, uh, yeah, because I've noticed some people have been sending them only to me. And I understand that I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of the main guy. But, uh, you know uh, – That's true. You're the one who says uh, hello and welcome. I don't. What do you say? <laughs> I say hello and welcome aboard. <laughs> and uh, and but that's the thing, you know. On what, the, if I did, what if I like every episode? <laughs> I was completely checked out until you said my name. <laughs> but that's the thing is, you know, we've we've tried to make it so that you do the intro for the the BP supplement, and uh, that's been going fine. Um, <laughs> more on that later, everybody. Um, but uh but yeah so so yeah please send it to both of us and again it's 10 movies that you think absolutely belong on the list yeah if you if you want to can if if it helps you to think well these i think are the 10 best movies of all time that's fine if you want to characterize it that way that's fine yeah um but, but, but just, it's not necessarily your favorites it, you know i would say yes i would say it's not your favorites um you know hey i the the example that i used on the forum is uh hey i love office space yeah, I will not include it in my ten. Yeah, I feel um, I would say the same about Gremlins too. <laughs> I seriously love that movie, but yeah, the I new would, batch, the new batch. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, and then uh, let's see, at the pretension. That's where you can follow me on Twitter. That's right. It's so much fun to follow me. It is. It is a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> and then of course you can uh, you can hear me over at More Than One Lesson, my other podcast, More Than One Lesson dot com. That's right. iTunes. Oh, speaking of iTunes. Um, oh yeah! If you listen to us, well, sure, certainly write a good review. I'd love that. Yeah. 
Um, but if you listen to us and you're not subscribed, go ahead and subscribe. It doesn't hey. hurt. It helps us. It helps us. Yes, absolutely. So, yes, that's a good call, David. So, yes, uh, write, uh, write some nice reviews on iTunes. And, uh, and while you're over there, just click that subscribe button. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, so, yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.